like, oh, the day my baby turns four months, they're not going to sleep anymore because everything changes. And that's totally not the case. Like starting at six weeks, the baby starts making their own melatonin where before they just were having it from the mom. With people when we talk about birth experiences, they might be minimizing their trauma because we've been taught intergenerationally that this is just how it is. Right. Oh yeah, like the doctor made that decision, didn't talk to you about it, of course. Or, oh yeah, you know, they used an implement that was extremely painful for you and uh, often unnecessary. That's just what they had to do, right? There's a normalization of trauma doesn't mean that it's any less traumatic. And everything would just get solved with birth control pills. But I kept feeling like this is counterproductive. Right. Grandmother, my great grandmother had 10 kids. Mm. My paternal grandmother had nine. So in my head, I'm thinking, you know, this, this is black people don't have this issue. I've mm. never heard of black people having this issue. Hey, welcome to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I own a group practice where we specialize in women's issues, maternal mental health, and all things wellness. Here on the podcast, we're going to be talking about parenthood, how to take care of yourself, and a little bit of in-between things. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Sometimes sex is life-affirming. Sometimes it's a lazy Sunday. I love you. Sometimes sex is a hilarious foray into the weird sounds our bodies can make. But also, sex can make or break our self-esteem if something isn't easy, doesn't feel good, or goes wrong. And many of us grew up learning that pain during sex is normal, which couldn't be further from the truth. At Nut, it is their goal to bring joy back into everyone's bodies and everyone's relationships with trustworthy products that advocate for health and human connection. For you to have your opportunity of purchasing your own product from Onut, head over to onut.co. Thank you guys for joining me for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I'm so excited. Um, to have the founder of O Nut, which is something that is super revolutionary. Um, its mission is to bring joy back into our body and our relationships with trustworthy products that advocate for health and human connection. And um, it's Emily Sauer. Mm -hmm. um, Emily also is the founder of Pelvic Gym including O Nut, as well as the co-founder of Lady Bits League. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Yay, thanks for having me. <laughs> and obviously like you have like all of these CEO, founder, co-founder things that I want to jump into. Um, but to give a little bit of backstory, I discovered Emily in Onut because with doing maternal mental health, having clients that would come in and experience, you know, some sadness or self-esteem issues because they would lack um, intimacy or desire to have sex with their partners in postpartum period because of pain. And then me just looking for resources for them, discovering O-Nut and then having the pleasure to actually meet the founder of it. Um, and, and I'm so glad that you are a guest on the show so we could just learn a little bit even more about how all of this came to be. Yeah. Oh, well, it started a long time ago. I mean, honestly, <laughs> from the very beginning when I started having sex, it was always painful during deep penetration. But the thing is, is that like, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm 4'11", right? I'm kind of a bite-sized human. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm small. 
right? So it makes sense. Also, it's like the first time that I was having sex, sex is supposed to be painful. Maybe there's collision with my cervix. What is my cervix? What does it do? Where is it? Cool. All questions. Let's shove them under the rug. Mm-hmm. So this continued over a period of time and I kind of just continued to ignore it. I never spoke up to any partners. I did bring it up with my gynecologist over the course of years mm-hmm. and they proceeded to tell me that it was normal and that pain during sex was fine and that I should just use lube, relax, you know, very minimal guidance and definitely not a referral. There was no encouragement in any, any particular direction other than telling me that I was fine. So it finally got to a point where when sex was painful, I actually couldn't just put it under the rug anymore. Mm -hmm. I was in a very unhealthy relationship. I was not feeling confident in myself, in myself. And every time sex was painful, I was just reminded that I wasn't the person that I thought I was. I wasn't the partner I wanted to be. I was a disappointment in every single way, you know, pain during sex transcends physical pain. So by, you know, by miles, miles, universes. Yeah. (laughs) Full on identity crisis. (laughs) Um, Until finally, uh, you know, also I I looked on the internet for, for solutions and honestly, everything pointed towards male performance. It was like, you have a sex pillow that could make sex more comfortable, but it's catered towards deeper penetration. Sorry about that. (laughs) And you know, so I, and then I even like Googled what causes pain during sex, why is this happening? And I either ended up with porn, like when I Googled painful sex, or I ended up with just a lot of language that I did not understand and a lot of images that were really frightening. So mm-hmm. I stopped looking for answers. Mm. Um, yeah. So, but anyways, I got to that really deep. I have, this is kind of out of order. Here we go. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for coming along the ride. <laughs> but I yeah I reached that kind of low point and figured like if I could just control how deep penetration went Mm -hmm. then maybe I wouldn't just feel so terrible about myself right I mean at least like you were at least you were kind of I mean first to go back I think that it's very relatable for anyone um to kind of like self-reflect on themselves or like how they feel or see themselves if they feel like they're the issue in the partnership of intimacy, you know, with the pain. And of course, like how sex is marketed to us, it's it's supposed to be pleasurable and you're supposed to, you know, have all of this. And if you're noticing that you're like this outlier in that experience, then, you know, you would feel that way. But it also is pretty cool that you could recognize like, oh, well, you know, if, if I can tweak this in the formula of this transaction, then perhaps, you know, it won't be this way or it doesn't have to be this way. Totally. It just took me 10 years to get there. (laughs) You know, right? Like, like when, and kind of like what you were saying, we're, we're, we're taught to undermine our own experience to to gaslight ourselves. Yeah. I know I just assumed that sex was supposed to be painful. I just dealt with it. And when everything pointed to nothing, Mm -hmm. then I had no one to blame except myself. Mm which is really, you know, and, and because I wasn't talking to anyone about it, I had no idea how common pain during sex actually was, you know, 75% of women will have painful sex in their lifetime. A third, one third (laughs) of women report pain the last time that they had sex. Mm. That is a lot, a lot of people. And it's crazy that each one of us feels alone in this 
shared experience. Yeah. I mean, 10 years is a pretty long time. For sure. And also when you think about it, you know, at the beginning of those 10 years, there might be a singular complication that's presenting a couple of symptoms. Mm-hmm. If it's addressed at that time, then you you manage it. Yeah. And years later, if those complications go unaddressed, then what do you have? Mm-hmm. It's much more complicated uh, because you develop all kinds of compensations and fear response cycles. You right. know, there's a lot that makes it a bit this like complicated web to then untangle. Absolutely. You could become like anxious or like some people can experience like a, a trauma response to it and, and physically tense up anticipating 100%. it, you know, if it was painful before, for sure. Totally. I mean, and as you were talking about postpartum, man, we are, we are taught to expect that sex is going to be painful postpartum. Yes. yes. Already so, like coming in, like thinking it. Now when you, okay. So you said that obviously we know that this isn't something that's often talked about. And no one was pointing you in the right direction. So even when you went to the OB, they weren't making any type of like, oh, well, maybe you could try X, Y, Z. I mean, so none of that, none of that. We are taught to trust our OBGYN. You know, we go to an obstetrician gynecologist. Yes. And these physicians are taught, their medical school curriculum teaches them infection, disease, and childbirth, mm-hmm. infection, disease, childbirth, not pain, mm-hmm. not sex. Mm-hmm. So when people come in with pain complications, with sexual health complications, they literally do not have the toolkit to actually help. And they're not incentivized to help either because they're compensated for surgical procedures, for medications that they give. They're not compensated or taking the time to talk through someone's fears and anxieties and this ongoing pain cycle that yeah. may be exacerbated psychologically because the, the physiological symptoms have not been managed. Oh, sorry. I just said a lot of things. <laughs> you know what I mean though? Like, but so a big part of this seeking proper care path mm-hmm. is finding a provider who actually has the conversations about sex and sexual health or who understands, for example, like the musculoskeletal system, like pelvic physicians aren't taught the musculoskeletal system. Yeah, We have to go to a pelvic PT to find a specialist who doesn't understand that. Right. But you know, like even like on top of that, to be honest, Emily, I didn't know a pelvic PT existed Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was even like a thing. I knew of a physical therapist, but I didn't know about, I didn't know what a pelvic floor was mm-hmm. until after I had a child. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you could go to a pelvic floor physical therapist mm-hmm. to help, you know, re-strengthen that muscle or if there were any complications until after we have a child. And even just like, you know, being a woman or having a body, no one really like educated me per se on this is what sex is supposed to feel like, or if there is, you know, this complication, there just wasn't like talk. Like before we get into like how old nut, you know, came to be, why do you think just like as a society that is like that we aren't privy to this information when it is about like our own bodies far in advance before it is even an issue? I mean, that goes back in history. You know, it's like the all of the, the female anatomical parts are named shameful names. It's where it's the the root of 
of medicine for female anatomy has just been cast in shadow or objectified or sexualized, you know? So I, I, it, it's a, it's a ripple effect just from that, you know, fortunately women's health and pelvic health is like having this tidal wave moment. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but it, we are so behind because medically, you know, the medical institutions are run by white men yeah. who historically have not been interested in the female anatomy, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So when did you have the aha moment? How, <laughs> how was O Nut born? Oh, the aha moment. That was such a fun moment. Okay. So I actually, so I, 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 you know, was in the car having a chat with a friend of mine. And I was like, oh my God, what about a donut on a penis? Like, <laughs> and I had talked about painful sex out loud. And I was like, what about this crazy woman? She was like, that's crazy woman. I was like, but what if we actually did it? Uh, so I went online and I ordered some, some, some donuts that are not meant to be used for sexual purposes. They were like vanilla scented. They had sprinkles on them, not sanitary in the slightest (laughs) concept. So with my partner at the time, I was like, well, let's try this out. And he was down. So we tried it out and we tried some positions that had previously been painful for me. And it's really interesting because when you have a relationship with exposition, that's always painful. When you're about to approach it, you're like, okay, you're like, you you really tense up. You're like, okay, this is about to be painful. Like breathe. We're going to try this. This is fun. I'm feeling so good right now. Kind of. And with the donut on, it didn't hurt. Mm. And I had this just moment of it was it of catharsis it was like the lid came off where I felt like I had the choice not to be in pain and it wasn't my fault that I was and I had the choice then to feel good and from that moment it was like I was, I just had like a cape behind me and the wind was blowing and I was like, I can do anything, <laughs> you know? And like, and, and, and it was, it was so wonderful because it wasn't, it wasn't even like, I, I could have just had like the craziest, wildest sex, but I don't even remember it being like passionate and feel good. I just remember this like glow on me as a human being coming back to myself yeah. again. Oh, and from there, honestly, you could not keep my mouth shut. I told every single person I came in touch with that like, oh my God, I, I, I've had painful sex for years. I came up with this crazy idea. Like, this is what how I think it works. This is what we could do. And and the response that I was getting was like, wait, 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 wait. I have pain during sex too. Um, or like I had a partner that had that experience and I felt totally helpless because I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And like, I talked to family about it. I talked to friends about it. And like, I actually started getting phone calls. Uh, I, I started networking with doctors. I, I started going, actually, uh, I created a couple of different versions of it. And then I started going to medical conferences. Mm. Because as a normal average person who knows nothing about the pelvic floor or or like business development product, I didn't know anything about business manufacturing or human body. Yeah. So I started networking my face off it. And yeah, and ended up going to medical conferences to really figure out the medical application and make this a trustworthy product. Mm. Yeah. 
That is amazing. I mean, like, okay, so breaking that down. Yeah. One, just by you talking about it, then other people can share in that yeah. experience, not feel isolated. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. That's yeah. A big one. How, how did that feel? Or even like for people who like buy the product and are saying like, you know, it changed their their lives or their enjoyment or their partnership. How How is that for you? It is, you know, it's like, it's heartbreaking and it's hopeful at the same time because it's the same story over and over again. It's like, I thought I was alone. I saw 10 doctors. It took me over like five to 10 years. No one believed me. I tried all these things that didn't work. My relationship is falling apart. You know, there's just so many stories of, of isolation and helplessness. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Ona is not going to solve all of the problems. You know, sometimes we hear from people who are like, my marriage is falling apart. I need this overnighted because it's going to save my marriage. Like it might not. <laughs> it sounds like there's some other stuff going on. Yeah. But it really is, like we've really made it a priority. I've made it a priority as a human being to make this brand not just about painful sex because there is so much shame. There is so much isolation. There is so much hesitation to speak up, you know, starting the conversation is almost the hardest part. So as a brand, how can we fundamentally just help validate mm -hmm. someone's experience and help people acknowledge for themselves that just because sex isn't, you know, what it's supposed to look like, which is this elusive, whatever, screw that idea. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean that something's wrong with us. Right. It doesn't mean that there's, it's not a, like a workable like thing to, it doesn't mean that we can't work with it, you know? Right. right. Yeah. How did you come up with the name? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, oh, not like a donut. <laughs> there. Also, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit a double entendre though. <laughs> for sure. That, I mean, that's the fun part about the name and the product is like, there's a million ways to use it. Yeah. And when you say the name, you're like, okay, that sounds kind of sexual. Um, it gives people a sense of creativity to, to infer what they want to infer yeah. because it feels good to them, you know? Uh, yeah. So primarily a donut, but you know, you can make of it what you want. Has this journey been scary for you at all? Like having come from somewhere of not like a medical background, um, in a, a world or society where like you were saying, women's anatomy is not something that's discussed or talked about. Um, and then trying to, you know, create something for a community of people that could be a saving grace. Were you ever scared, fearful, anxious? Honestly, the second I started this company, I have not looked back. Mm. This space is self-selecting for incredible human beings <laughs> who really care about progress and about care, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, I 
feel very grateful. Starting this company, it kind of just propelled me into forward motion. Like any person can go to a medical conference. Anyone can go. You don't have to be a physician or a clinician or anyone to, to, to get a ticket and go to one and meet people and learn stuff. Granted, I didn't understand the most of what I was learning when I started going, but it's, it's almost like the education that I've amassed over time because of this company is the education that everyone should have. Everyone should know what their pelvic floor is. Everyone should know what sex therapists and sex coaches are available. What is a gynecologist? What is a urogynecologist? You know, what is a minimally invasive gynecologist? Like the basic stuff, because the problems are, is like we're, we're lacking the tools to identify the complications early. Um, and then to self-advocate. I know that you're the founder and CEO also of Pelvic Gym and Lady Bits League. Can you tell us a little bit about those two? Yeah. Well, Lady Bits League was started because when I founded Onut, I had no understanding of anyone's sexual experience other than mine. Mm. And I actually met this other woman who was really interested in opening up dialogue around sexual complications. So like, let's join forces and throw an event. And we, it was really interesting because she was so gung-ho about having our first Lady Bits League topic be about pain during sex. So we were writing up the language to send out in an email. They're like, let's talk about pain during sex. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds horrible. No one's going to come. No one wants to talk about that. Like we have to make this sound fun and exciting and pleasure and orgasm, blah, blah, blah. We went the painful sex route and like, five times as many people showed up as I thought. Oh, wow. It was like a full house. And people were sharing for the very first time about experiences that they never said out loud. Mm. And feeling those stories and, and feeling um, like learning through empathy was a really big uh, stepping stone for me personally. And it really helped shape the the language of the brand and the compassion of the brand. I love that. What about Pelvic Gym? Pelvic Gym. Pelvic Gym was born out of the pandemic because people people kept coming to Onite and they were like, uh, well, I can't get to my pelvic PT. Uh, can you give me exercises to do? And we were like, uh, well, yeah. uh, we have an idea of what you could do, but we're not an authority figure. Like we're, we're, we can't legally give you advice. Right. So what we did, we, I mean, our network, we have the most wonderful network of pelvic PTs. So we reached out to them. We're like, Hey, can you create some at home content for people to do that's, you know, with, with minimal risk. Yeah. And so we just, we built a platform very quickly that has pre-recorded content that people can use. And it's amazing because we're getting people from all over who don't have access to pelvic PTs, either geographically or financially or time-wise. So they come to pelvic gym as a jumping off point. Mm. So basically you've, you've, I mean, like, cause I love all of this. You have the product for them to be able to actually use at home. Mm -hmm. There's that community event aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, and then also like exercises and tools that someone can also like take with them and have, like, it's kind of hitting it in, in like different ways. But there's more. We actually have one more. It's called the Pain Perception Project. You go to painperceptionproject.com. It's an online intake form that helps people feel prepared to talk to their gynecologist. Mm -hmm. 
because there's a lot of, you know, it's like, how often do you go, go to the GYN? And they're like, how many partners have you slept with? Like what STIs do you have? How many times you've been pregnant? Like how often do we find ourselves wanting to lie? Yeah. Because we're afraid that our provider is going to judge us. Right. Shame. Shame. Meanwhile, research shows that 25% of OBGYNs self-report being disapproving of their patient's sexual habits. A quarter report being disapproving of their patient's sexual habits. No wonder we're afraid to be honest. Yeah. Because we might be ashamed for sure. Right. So so what we did was it's it's this beautiful form that asks you know questions about menstrual pain, um, like history of pain during sex, but it also includes goals. It's like quality of life goals, um, you know, health goals. So it's so it's not just like what's what's what are the complications, but it's like what is the desired outcome? Because yeah. the desired outcome should be considered in the course of treatment. Yeah. And then it results in this really beautiful printout that you then take to your appointment. Ah, I love that. So being that it's something that you can take with your appointment, that kind of taps into when you were talking about the advocacy space mm-hmm. um, piece. And can it also help with like the language or to communicate what they want to, to a provider? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any like tips or suggestions for someone? Because when you were listing all of those different types of OBGYNs, I've never heard of some of them in which you name, but how can one like identify if their OB isn't a good fit? Like, Mm. or to, I mean, of course, obviously, like if, if someone was to share with their OB, oh, I'm having pain during sex, um, and they were dismissed or, you know, told to use lube, you know, and it, and it was bigger than that. But is there anything else that you think like to look out for that you think for someone who could be experiencing these same physical symptoms? But I think you pretty much nailed it. If, if someone is, I mean, in order to move forward towards the course of action, your doctor has to believe you and give you a sound, you know, encouragement and, and direction. So if they, if they undermine what you're saying in any way, uh, you know, I, I think that the, it would just be good to ask for a referral. Like if you can't help me, who can? Yeah. Yeah. Because someone can like, clearly I have a complication whether or not you, you want to address it. Yeah. So who can help me actually manage it? Mm. Uh, you know, cause again, like doctors are taught you have to be perceived as all knowing mm-hmm. because if the patient does not trust you, they, you, they will not come to you. You will lose business. So just knowing that they are putting on a facade as this all knowing thing, but they don't actually know everything. Right. So if, if, you know, granted also to be totally fair, pelvic pain is really hard to untangle and getting a diagnosis is, can be very challenging because there's a lot of coexisting things that could be going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if an OB is not helpful, I would say not to seek out a new OB necessarily, but to go to see a pelvic PT. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. If you can. And more and more are, cover, are taking insurance, which is great. Right. I have noticed that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So someone who is just going to ONUT, um, what would you feel like is a good product to start with or how could they decipher because I know that like there's options based off of like with or whatnot what how would you 
introduce them to the product or what should they get first? Oh my gosh, we haven't even talked about like what Onut does. What does Onut do? <laughs> Take this part and like chunk it in the beginning. Okay, so Onut is designed for anyone who has deep pain during sex. And the way that it works is it's it's four rings. Our main product is these four stretchy, soft rings that are worn around the base of a penetrating partner. So it could be worn on a penis, on a toy, on a dilator, whatever it is, whatever is going inside, Onut goes around it. And during sex, the way that it works is it compresses down like a bumper, really. Uh, but what's cool about it is that the so imagine like a Fisher Price donut stacking toy, like the rainbow rings that stack, you yeah. know? And you can take them off and you can put them on, which means during sex, you can add rings or remove them during any time, during any position to figure out what feels good for everybody. Yeah, we have two different sizes. We're actually phasing out the classic size and just having the wider one because people just have better experience with the wider one and it works great. So yeah. just get the wider one. We'll say that. Okay, yeah. that is good to know. Um, and is it, does it matter if you use it with lube, not with lube? Does it matter? Totally. It, it definitely matters if you yeah. use, so imagine it, it, I mean, it, it's imagine it kind of like a stroker, right? People always ask how it feels for the penetrating partner. Like if there's a penis in the equation, people always want to know how it feels on a penis. Mm -hmm. So you put lube on first and then you slide the rings down, mm -hmm. right? So the rings themselves, when they're on, they're ribbed on the inside they retain heat and they feel like skin. So it's That's like, same thing. What, what does that feel like? <laughs> so what happens is it feels like you're going all the way in without having to worry about going too far. Yeah. Right. The other thing that's quite cool that it does is it really opens up a dialogue. Like I know personally, it's really hard to speak up when sex is painful during sex, when, when sex is painful, like during sex. So where before there's this like silence and maybe clenching and maybe like, maybe just like nonverbal moving or gesturing or something like that, you have these rings that allow you to say like, cool, do you want to add another ring? Do you want to take one away? How does this feel? All of a sudden there's a, this talking point mm -hmm. that has no judgment whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that it can even bring like the partnership closer Mm -hmm. uh, because you're able to, you know, like, I mean, as it should be anyway, but we know not all relationships are like that, but where you're actually making sure that both people are enjoying the experience and it's not just one sided. Totally. It's it. We hear very often that the it's hard to speak up to a partner in general about pain during sex. And, and it's interesting to think about why it's like, what are, what are we, what is happening? What's in the way? Mm hmm and I'm curious to hear in your thought, like what, what do you think people are concerned about that prevents them from speaking up to their partner? Oh, for sure. Whenever I work with clients, it's if the person's not going to be interested in them anymore, uh, if it's dampening the mood, um, if it's making it too mental and not just like spontaneous, but it's too thought provoking. Um, and then sometimes they don't say anything because they're just so inward in their own thoughts about how they feel about themselves and they don't want to share. Totally. Mm -hmm. And how exhausting is it to hold that in for yourself? For sure. It's yeah. exhausting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to the point that you just made, having something to facilitate like a mutually beneficial outcome 
mm-hmm. makes the partnership closer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you're actually working together. It's like we forget that the point of sex is to work together. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's a partner activity. <laughs> uh, it takes two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like the other thing to consider is, you know, given that a third of women report pain the last time that they had sex, as a penetrating partner, think about the last people that you had sex with and then a third of them were in pain mm. and maybe you didn't know mm. what does that feel like not knowing. Yeah. It's like partners want to know mm-hmm. because they're completely powerless if they don't. Right. You know, imagine if you were contributing to a bad situation and you had no idea. Right. That's terrible. Uh, and you know what? If they lose interest, screw that person. They don't deserve you. Yeah, absolutely. Almost similar to if you have an OB that's dismissive. Screw they, that person. Yeah. <laughs> they don't deserve you. Not at all. Oh my God. And so the funny thing also is like for me, when I was creating a company, I was dating. I didn't have like a long-term partner. And so when finally people got to know my full name, they would look me up on the internet and find very clearly, loud and clear, what was going on with my body and this company that had started because of it. And what came out of it was incredible because people just opened up to me about their sexual hangups. Mm. It had like erectional, er, erectional, <laughs> erectional is a new word. <laughs> Erectile. <laughs> Erectile dysfunction or like anxiety around sex or, you know, certain situations that made them uncomfortable. It really because I had a certain degree of confidence maybe and ownership, which didn't show up all the time, mind you. Um, But outside of the bedroom, I could speak relatively confidently about my experience. Uh, Yeah. There was, there was a, there was a two way street all of a sudden. Mm. And then when that dialogue opened up, those complications went away. Mm. like a lot of the fears that were happening on both sides because they were spoken out loud they didn't present when it actually came to the bedroom mm-hmm. I love that that's amazing you're out here saving relationships and improving self-esteem and self-worth Emily that's the hope that's the hope <laughs> you know what I I actually I realized we're like almost out of time but um there is a letter that comes in the box. Mm-hmm. When we made the original packaging, I wanted anyone to come in, who came in touch with the brand to feel like they were capable and worthy of whatever sexual experience they wanted. And so I, I watched the Mr. Rogers documentary, mm-hmm. cried my face out, and then wrote this letter that comes in the box. Oh. It says, you made it. A big congratulations, not only on your new own it, but also on all the hard work that led you here. The journey is never easy. I tell you with my full heart, you are sexy exactly the way you are. You're a problem solver, a shoulder to lean on, a spreader of joy. You put a lot of love out there and you deserve to live that love you share. So in the spirit of curiosity, embrace adjustment, awkward moments, and small, mighty victories. And know deep down, but not too deep that you're doing great. Now go play. I love that. That's, that's an affirmation. That's a whole 
meditation. <laughs> Truly. So I feel like everyone could hear that, you know? Yeah. yeah. That is so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank for- you for the, your work that you're doing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel like your voice is, I, you're just asking such wonderful questions. And I so appreciate that you created this platform to, you know, help, help people feel good. Now I know um, listeners can go to onet.com. How can they also follow on social media? So as you know, it's, it's onut.co, but if you just want to Google onut, we are the first result that comes up. Yeah. Onut.co. And then all of our socials are onut.co. So Instagram onut.co and TikTok onut.co. Uh, we have, oh my gosh, one of my teammates is she had a, she's a master's in, in public health. She had a, she's a master's in public health and she okay. is just the most wonderful communicator of, of, of the science and the humor and like social media trends she's just so funny anyways it's just it's, she's a wonderful resource to like feel good and learn at the same time wow that is super super cool okay biomed biomed she was a biomed, biomed major gotcha <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for being on the show emily i'm gonna put all of the instagram handles in the website in our show notes so that everybody can follow along um, we'll give you a discount too awesome yeah. Okay. Um, thank you again. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, this was great. Now we talk about sex on the radio and video show. Many will know anything goes. Let's tell it like it is and how it could be. How it was and of course how it should be. Those who think it's dirty have a choice. Pick up the needle, press pause, or turn the radio off. Will that stop us, Pam? I doubt. Alright then, come on, spin. Let's talk about sex, baby. get next to she had it all in the bag so she should have been glad but she was mad and sad and feeling bad thinking about the things that she never had no love just sex followed next with the check and the notes that last night was dope 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 take it easy let's talk about sex baby